in here with or a knife, GXT so. or whatever it was. No, just an 06. What was the hard top? They had the, the hard top was awesome. The GXP. The GXP, GX, yeah. That's it. Yeah. That car was cool. Okay, the audio recorders are going on this end. Well, that's Yay. Are you liking one of your simulators, Sean? I am in my old simulator. I'm in I'm in yeah, the first simulator. Why? Because it's really comfortable. Oh. And it's right in front of my monitor and Yeah, I had to give up my comfortable desk chair to uh the person who's working from home. Now ask me what kind of seat it is. And then you won't believe that it's actually really comfortable, but it actually really is. What kind of seat? What kind of feet of it? I built this in 1991, and the seat came out of a 1988 Hyundai Excel that we were taking to the scrapyard from the car lot that I was working on at the time. And this seat has been in this chassis since 1991. I'm pretty sure you've seen it, John. And uh, it's actually... He's probably smelled it. It probably has 1.5 million simulator miles on it. And it's million. million. And it's as comfortable today as it was the day I put it in here. Like it won't degrade. It won't. Twinkies and Hyundai seats are the only, well, maybe cockroaches. Those are the three things left after the apocalypse. After the coronavirus? After whatever's happening right now. And then we'll go ahead and roll into the topic. I'm not sure if our (laughs) listeners enjoyed all that little pre show. Oh, crap. We're recording. Yeah, we've been recording. I said we've yeah, been why recording. Not? Why not? So, yeah, so it's no driving gloves, and you've got Sean, Derek, and John tonight. Now, Sean seems to be coming a regular, and Will and Derek keep flip-flopping weeks. Kind of works. Hey, kinda fun. hey. Some of us are busy. You flip-flopper. <laughs> I prefer to flop-flip. I like flip-flops. Well, Birmingham does not classify, or Jefferson County does not classify museums as... Um, what do they call them? Vital essential? businesses? They're yeah, not essential, essential. Essential businesses. So does Bowling Green feel differently on that? Or are you guys still giving tours at the... the Sorry, museum? I stopped listening. What? <laughs> 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 oh, my God. Uh, no, the, the Corvette Museum is uh, closed to the public. Are you still... Because we can have car dealers open down here. Are you still able to deliver the people that bought... Um, factory or museum delivery into the building to pick up their cars or and everybody we un- stay stay 12 feet apart or whatever yeah under the current um you know uh, kentucky uh, whatever you want to call it um orders that have been placed down or whatever um yes uh, car deliveries can still occur so we are still delivering brand new um 2020 corvettes but that is the only thing we're doing. Open the door, get your car, get out. Hey, hey, you, you sucker. <laughs> you don't get to see the rest of the place, right? Well, we're uh, we're allowing people to come back in the future to see the museum and do some of the other things that they're supposed to be able to do um, when they get their new car. Free of charge? Well, actually not free oh. of charge. For, for the low, low price of whatever they paid for their 2020 Corvette. Uh, for, for yeah, the, we're still going to give them all the experience they deserve. They can come back when this is all over in a year, two, three, four, however long this zombie apocalypse takes. Hmm. That's comforting. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> it's so comforting. And that's kind of where we're going to go tonight. We tried to do a lighthearted show last week and just rambled on about various stories. It was fun. But now... Yeah, I didn't listen to that one either. We're going to uh, step step out, and I'm going to put a disclaimer at the beginning of the show, and if I remember, I'm going to put it at the end of the show, but this is also the sh- a disclaimer at the end of the show. We are theorizing here. Do not buy a car, sell a car, do whatever with a car on any of the advice that we give here. We're just kind of making predictions. Uh, you can take them as you wish. Um uh, this, you know, I'm not going to give any advice at all. <laughs> it's, it's all the advice is on your shoulders, John. I've been watching various markets and kind of been amazed at what's happening. Uh, I think Derek in the two minutes of pre-show we had, I had a lot of technical difficulties on my end for a change that uh, Derek's been seeing the exact opposite. So, and now Derek is Max Hedron. Everybody's playing with green screens tonight. Oh, it's we're, awesome. We're, we're playing with the uh, video feeds uh, again. I'm literally you, sitting here beside myself. If you would uh, go check out our Patreon page, as soon as we hit that go- <laughs> level, we will uh, start putting these uh, videos up on Patreon, and our Patreon patrons can hear them. We might throw some random ones up on YouTube or Bits just to tease you so you can go over, but we're really close to the number we want to be at. Uh, somewhere between zero and a hundred. <laughs> Three. Sweet. Three. It's but, the okay, exact amount of licks it takes to get to the Tootsie Roll Center of the Tootsie Roll Tootsie Pop. We want three. And you might Whoa. see some some live uh, chats. Sean and I were going to try to do one live, but it's crazy. I think his simulator business has been busy or... The ability to sell has been causing problems. The, the setting up the simulator business is busy. Just trying to get the website turned on, man. It's uh it's it's an undertaking. I'm I'm learning new languages and Derek is basically taking an LSD trip right now. I'm not really sure what's going on with Derek and the and the backgrounds, but he is uh Derek He's I- bringing the psilocybin tonight. It's awesome. Derek, I think I spent fourteen bucks, ten bucks or something on Amazon, got my green screen, and you can see I've kind of got a green car behind me. And I think if I move, you'll see there's a little yeah. wavy section behind me. But yeah, well, that's all right. I'll, I'll I'll get a white sheet or something. We'll see what happens. A green sheet. Definitely get a green sheet. Don't get a white sheet. I can, I can color it green. <laughs> Actually, paint. just. Paint. Video that. Get a white sheet and and uh, crawl on it. Yes, excellent. So are we going to talk about cars? Yeah, I was <sighs> going to say. So, God, no. uh, sorry, listeners, you're not going to get those seven minutes and twenty seconds back. <laughs> <laughs> but as I'm going to say, as I've been watching, and you know, part of my day job and my business is trying to figure out what's going to come of this. And again, I, I have no great conclusions. I don't know what to tell some of my clients. Um, I talked to somebody yesterday who we were going to evaluate his collection and he we were going to look at ways to market it. We started talking a couple of weeks ago before um, all of this set in and he made a panic move, in my opinion, and ended up, it was a 
jointly own collection. His uh, wife and her brother own the collection, and the brother made an offer on the collection, and they sold it to him. Now, you know, money, the the amount of money didn't matter to him. He's got plenty, so it's not he would he didn't care if he lost fifty or a hundred thousand dollars on the deal. It was just more the stress of not having the cars. But he, he, in my opinion, panicked. I think we could have done a lot better and got him a lot more money than, who knows, in 10 years, a year, you know, in toilet papers, you know, 40 bucks, 50 bucks a roll. Uh, he might wish he had that extra 100000 But there I saw somebody panic. Uh, but I've been watching, you know, Bring a Trailer is kind of the best real-world gauge. Now why they haven't had any really record-breaking sales. There's been some pretty serious numbers laid down in even the last two or three days on some cars. So, is it a buy? Is it a sell? Is it a hold? I don't know. I don't think anybody knows. No one knows how long this is going to last. And, and I mean, if you look at China, it's, it's a four to five month thing. If you look at what, if you look at what our president wants to do where everything's back to normal by Easter, which I think is definitely not possible. But I mean, it's like you said, John, it's all speculation at this point. There's literally, I mean, the only one, the only people that really know are the scientists that are sitting in the CDC and the who, and, and it the, appears and that no one's corona really listening guys. to them. Huh? The little Corona guys. Yeah. They're all walking around with limes and Mexican beer. Um, Actually, no one's walking around with Mexican beer because the general public won't buy Corona anymore because that makes a lot of sense. Uh, the illustrious um, leader of a local car club had plenty of Facebook pictures of him experiencing the cl- pleasures uh, of the Corona in the last couple of days. Oh, my God. Um, I, you and I, John, we, we actually just had a conversation about this very thing. Um, the the one car that, that I have right now that I may be able to actually liquidate other versions of that car are selling for obscene amounts of money right now. And somehow mine is, is not worth that much money because it's not an AMG. Um, but you know, I, I, I don't know, man, I, I, I really want to sit there and, and take a look at the Mercedes market and because of Radwood and because of, there's Radwood. There's a couple other events popping up like Radwood out there right now that are 80s and 90s car oriented. And that seems to be bringing a lot of attention to the 84 Mercedes and, and the like that I have right now. Um, I don't know, man. I, I You are much more equipped to make those predictions than I am. I'm driver monkey. I'm not seller guy. Oh. Um, what have you noticed on <laughs> your end of the uh, spectrum, Derek? I see you moving around, so I think you've rejoined us. I ha- saw your text about some internet dish, uh, issues, but... Wait, what? you just got the internet issues text? Yes. That was like a half hour ago. <laughs> that was before hey. we started recording. Hey, State of the art. But um, I thought you were there and you were moving and you were blinking. But hey, what have you noticed? Am, what have you noticed on the uh, 
say the pre-war car market, have you? you know, I I can sit here and cite Porsches and Mercedes and uh, like Sean said, some of the Radwood stuff. And yeah, there it is, telling me you had internet issues again. That's the second beep mm-hmm. that comes two minutes after. Yeah, I just got I just got the text too. Oh, uh, then it's Derek. <laughs> but of course it's me. But what have you seen on on that end of the spectrum? I know you were really excited about something. Don't tell us what it is. Just hint in case you do decide to rush out and see if it's a legit offer. Well, I mean, uh, yeah. So I keep my eye on obviously a lot of early cars, and I'm just pulling up some other sites right now to see what's going on. But and maybe it's just the the people that use some of the online sites like Facebook Marketplace or Craigslist. But I've noticed within the last, let's say, week to week and a half, so really the the heavy hit time of all of the worries and everything that's going on, um, especially the, the stock market having gone so far down, um, I've noticed on a couple of the sites that People are people seem to be posting cars that maybe they've had just sitting in the garage that they haven't been working on, and they've been posting them for pretty reasonable prices. And I really think it's because people are well, maybe it's twofold. You know, this this kind of coronavirus scare is making people worry about their actual, you know, liquid assets, you know, actually having cash money on hand rather than having it wrapped up in an antique car. But it might be twofold just because as we've talked about on other shows, you know, we're, we're probably coming into a time where antique cars are going to start coming down in value because there's not necessarily a large population of the next generation that's going to want to buy those. So I think this might be playing into that. And people are saying, you know what, I'm not going to hold on to this thing anymore. I'm going to dump it. I'm going to get what I can out of it. And I'm going to move on. Uh, I mean, that is one thing I have seen. There's a couple cars I've actually been keeping an eye on, as John said, um, that if they come down even more than what they're originally posted for, I think it would be kind of silly to not try to grab them up. And do you think that's probably more related to just the sheer panic? I know you said, you know, taking these, uh, you know, um, I can't think of the word I want to use, these assets and, you know, like you said, liquefying them. Uh, Or do do you think it was one of those things, you know, I made a decision about three weeks ago, four weeks ago, to officially sell my uh, 62 Chrysler. I think I joked with Will about it a little bit last week. But do you think some people were making that decision over the winter and we're into the spring and it's time to maybe, let's see if we can move some of this stuff because, you know, I believe what you showed me is it was a running driving car. Um, is it do you think it's some of that spring liquidation and the market was correcting itself there or is it a sheer panic or is it a combination of both? Um, I just mean, like Sean said, it's, it's really hard to discuss really what's happening, but we're just, we're just making some observations of what. It has to be a combo though, doesn't it? 
it has to be a combo. I, I think it is. Like I say, I think it's, and, and maybe it's more than twofold. Maybe it's, you know, multifaceted, but you know, it's, it's all of this that's coming together in the antique car world. And I'm talking, you know, as John said, pre-World War II era cars, I don't know that there's going to be a strong market for them in this next decade or so. And like I say, I think people, I mean, yeah, probably the brass era stuff is always going to be pretty strong. Um, and there are certain cars that are always going to be fairly, I don't think a Duesenberg is ever going to come down to a price that I can afford. Um, but I think some of the other stuff, my maybe like my Peerless, um, some of the other Packards, some of those cars, they're going to start coming down. And I think this might just be the beginning of it. And, and a scare like this with the stock market um, probably will is what's pushing that forward a little. So we, we might we might see, uh, I guess, using complete puns or whatever we want to call them, seeing the coronavirus infecting even, what you're saying is the pre-war market and not necessarily killing it, but maybe accelerating its decline. Because I can kind of agree with you that over the next 10 years, I think that we're going to see a really big softening of that market. I see some coming back. Uh, you know, T's and A's are going to be novelties. You'll have them for a couple of grand and people knock around in them just to be old. And like you said, Duesenbergs and Auburns and uh, Pierce Arrows and stuff like that are always going to be desirable. I think I might disagree with you and think that a lot of the brass era stuff is going to become museum exhibits and demos and exercises. I think we'll see fewer and fewer of those at events other than, you know, special invitation display just so people know what the cars are and more and more of those will come out of private collector hands and go into institutions and such. Or into my hands. Well, I'm thinking mainly because the institutions are going to be able to offer a more lucrative tax incentive uh, or write-off, especially to somebody doing estate planning, than selling it off to someone else and having another ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars in the estate that's going to be taxed. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things to take into consideration there. So, I guess that just depends on the the overall value of whatever vehicle we're talking about. Though, I mean, it's if if I'm going to put five hundred thousand in my pocket and I'm taking a fifty thousand dollar tax hit on it, or even a hundred thousand dollar tax hit on it, I'll still take that four hundred grand. I, I, you know, is is the tax it is is the tax incentive ever enough to really truly offset something like that? I don't, I don't, um, I've never lived in that in that arena that you guys have lived in, so I really don't know. But I mean, it re- it really depends on the financial situation of the donor. You know, it, it it all plays into that. I mean, it. Yeah, what what Derek's saying yeah, is it's ex- all based on. You know, so it's basically how quickly do you need to get rid of the car? Not necessarily how quickly you need to get rid of the car, how well you've planned your estate. Um, if you if you need to, to protect some assets, um, if you you know want to make necessarily make the estate a little bit more liquid. I mean, there's a lot a lot of things and a lot of accounting 
loopholes and and such, you know, we see people donate million dollar cars and yeah, that's, you know, couple, you know, couple hundred grand a deduction or something, but we don't know what they're offsetting, what's happening. Uh, you know, that's that's why I'm not a tax advisor and tax planner. Right. You just see it. But I think, you know, at times there are that is lucrative to donate certain things and I'm not speaking just cars, but you know, any sort of artifact or any sort of collection just because of how it impacts the real world tax. And it you know, it also depends on what tax credits the estate's carrying or the individual's carrying and it gets really, really complex really, really fast. But to some people, you know, it's preserving and they, you know, they like the idea of their car being on display with their name for. Right. Sometimes six, it's easier to take it to the museum than to take your, your Bearcat to CarMax. Yeah. Probably not the best. Well, and it does. Stuff. I mean, you know, one of the things we always talk, we're getting off topic, but that's what we're good at doing here. Um, you know, one of the things I always like to talk to the donors about is, you know, if you just, if you just, sell the car to the next collector or, or something like that, you know, okay, your name is on the list of people that have owned it. But, you know, if they, if they donate that car to a museum, to an institution that's going to use it in exhibits and, and display it, then they've created a legacy as well. Rather than just selling the car and their name is just one of the many people that have owned it. Now, if you donate it, you've created that legacy of, your grandkids coming to the museum, your great grandkids coming in and, and seeing the car that they, their grandpa, great grandpa and grandma, whatever donated to the museum. You were, you were the last person to own it in the wild. (laughs) Yeah. But it also to, you know, to preserve history, to tell a story. So there's a little different connection. So I, I, I digress. That makes sense. That makes sense. I mean, it's looking at those perspectives, are things that me coming from outside of the museum realm, I've never even thought about it. I've, I've never even, I've never been in a position where I've really had a car that a museum would even want. So I don't think any museum really wants my 1981 E21 BMW. I, I just, I don't, I don't think they really care about that. So it's yeah, to the junkyard. Nobody wants that. Hey, 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 it's a race car. They're, there could be a market. There could be a museum. You know, some museums will take whatever they can. Uh, just <laughs> the Museum of Lemons. Uh, yeah. They, you know, they might want to hold on. You know, there's you get into a whole kind of, you know, how long do they have to hold it before they can do it, do something with it. But if you donated that car to a museum and you got your X dollar tax write-off, even if it's $1,000 or $2,000. Four. <laughs> Four dollars. Uh, and... You know, they held on to it for the designated period of time and say five years down the road. Of course, it may or may not fit their collection, but if they have the room to store it, they'll hold it and then they'll turn and flip it and maybe they'll get, as you said, $4. Okay, it's $4 more the museum has than what they had before. And it's ensuring the longevity or the making sure that museum continues to exist. You could take, say, the Mustang Museum locally. Some guy donates a Camaro to it. They don't want a Camaro, but if they get a donate, you know, get the donation, hold on to it a couple of years, and, you know, some guy, I want to say, donates it out of spite, 
they hold on to it for a couple of years. They sell it, get four or five thousand bucks for it. They've got four or five thousand dollars for operating costs or to continue, you know, the longevity of the museum. So there's a lot of different aspects from both sides of the fence. But getting swinging back to the topic, what about or what's our feeling? Do we need to rush out and buy a new car? I mean, I've already seen Hyundai's jumped on the bandwagon of if you're affected by COVID-19, the if you purchase a car now, they'll waive your payments for six months. So they're telling you, come in, buy a car, and if you get laid off because of this, we'll waive your payments for six months. And if you don't get laid off because of this, we'll waive your payments for four months or up to six months. I'm not going to say that just because it's up to six months. Do you think that's a wise thing to do? Uh, from a you can go from a manufacturer or from a consumer standpoint. Do I you know? Do I rush out? I mean, I've already talked to the finance company on my car and said told them how I'm being affected by this, and honestly, I'm being affected by this in in certain ways. And you know, they're going to work with me. So, is it the people? Are they going after the people that are afraid to call their finance company and say, "Hey, you know, I'm affected by this," and moving in and trying to take advantage of that situation, or, you know, I guess what I'm saying here is we're trying to educate any of the listeners that maybe you don't have to rush out and buy a new car, but do you think it's a decent plan, or do you think it's a good idea, or is it But, but remember, remember our disclaimer, don't take our advice. <laughs> yes, don't take our advice, but we're making you, you know, aware of certain things. It's, I, it's somewhat educated advice, even if, you know, we do throw out the don't necessarily hinge everything on, on what we're saying. I mean, all of us have been involved and been involved in some way, shape or form in the automotive industry for decades. And I was actually involved on the sales side of the automotive industry for quite a long time. And I would have to say that a it's manufacturers just trying to find some way to keep inventory moving because we all know that, OEs right now are are idling factories. I mean, they're they have stockpiles of vehicles that are being floor planned on lots, and they need to they need to move them in order to like if they don't move, they can't fire the factories back up even longer. I see why people like we are, we've already talked about people wanting liquid assets right now. So I doubt anyone's well. I'm not going to say I doubt anyone because there are plenty of people that are in a situation where they could go out and they could drop 50 grand on a car and they're still not worried about anything. I'm not one of them. Um, But I am a person who has seen what's happening in the new car market right now and thought it might be a good time to go and get the replacement vehicle for one of our personal daily drivers that I've been thinking about getting for the last six or seven months. I don't know whether it's the right time to do it or not. I do know that if you do, if you go out right now and you, and you, and you responsive responsibly walk into a new car sales office or showroom and you stay, you know, 50 feet away from everyone in there and you say, I'm here to buy a car. There's going to be red carpet flying at you from every single direction you could possibly imagine. Um, no one's buying a car right now. And I, I, if you're, if you're, if you have the ability to buy a car right now and you want a, or need a car right now, go buy a car. 
Good idea. <laughs> I mean, go, go buy a car. Um, it's I don't think we've seen if you're in a buying position, we haven't seen the buyer have this much buying power potential in decades. Decades. Um, you'd be crazy not to if you had the ability to do it. I'm going to say uh, if we go back to 2008, it wasn't about the same. It wasn't uh, no, same. actually, probably not as bad. No, it, was, it wasn't as bad because what was happening in 2008 is people were dumping their SUVs and their full-size trucks and buying all the Priuses and Yaris's and um, right. Focus and whatever they ca- ca- could. And I walked into a, a Dodge dealer that actually ended up going away at that time <laughs> eventually. But I walked into a Dodge dealer and say, hey, I want to buy a full-size pickup. And, you know, once they understood I was serious that I want to buy a full-size pickup in the world of $4 a gallon gas and things like that, they were all over me, and I got a heck of a deal on that truck. And But my motivating factor is I was driving a four-wheel drive 2005 Dodge Dakota at the time, and I was already getting 14 or 15 miles a gallon out of it, and, but it was a too too small of a truck for me, and I've never really cared for four-wheel drive. So I traded my Dakota, and I got into a full-size Dodge Ram that had a better turning radius, had a bigger bed, had a bigger cab, had more pa- towing power and capabilities. Uh, ironically, it was one of the last six-speed manual half-ton trucks ever marketed, which also helped in my negotiation and ended up with a truck that got 18 miles a gallon. So I still had horrible gas mileage from the whole thing, but I actually improved my whole situation uh, just by taking advantage of it. And I think that's what Sean's saying is if you're in a position and it's responsible, I mean, if you had $50,000 to put into a, you know, go in and pay cash for a car, almost everybody's offering 0% now. You can oh, go yeah. ahead and you can put that fifty thousand. I wouldn't say in the stock market today, maybe. <laughs> but, well, actually, but by low, man. <laughs> but even a, a, a you know, a uh, just a savings account and earned, you know, a tenth or two tenths of a percent interest on it while you're, you know, making payments. You know, put it in the savings account, earn the interest, and just make the payments out of that savings account. And when when it's all said and done, you're you know ten dollars farther ahead than you were before. If I had 50 grand to buy a car right now, like just a car right now, like a toy car right now, I'd be walking into an alpha dealer and pointing at a 4C going, I will give you 42000 for that $58,000, or I'd give you 38000 for that $58,000 4C. It's and always with the 4C with you, man. God, I love the 4C, man. Um, I, I actually have a friend who has a couple of 4Cs, and... Do you want to give me one? Um, Rubbing it in. That, that's how he actually purchased one. I think it was an eighty-seven or eighty-eight thousand dollars sticker price, and walked in and said, "I'm going to give you X number of dollars," and put it this way: it was somewhere between thirty and forty thousand dollars. That's insane, sticker. dude. Yeah, you can you yeah. can buy them for nothing. They like had that. it pushed to the back of it, uh, their lot. It was outside. It was dirty and dusty. Nobody had ever paid attention to it, uh, customer-wise. It was off their floor plan, and they were just paying interest on it, so they just shoved it to the back corner. And I don't know why he stopped by said dealership, but he he was in a position that he could do that. Huh. So, and so that's uh, how people buy alphas. They're not really looking to buy one. They just happen to stop by, and 
Well, he had already, magically appears in the garage. <laughs> he had already had a, had a four C, and uh, I think it was a four C convertible. And I can't remember if this one was a. Convertible oh, so yeah, or he not. definitely needs two. Uh, Can you give me I, one? I, I can't remember. He might actually have three, if not four. Just let me drive one. <laughs> so, let me drive one for a little bit. No, seriously, I mean, I'll just I'll go ahead and say it, and Derek's gonna hate me. John's gonna totally understand. Wait, gonna hate but, you? Well. Derek's going to probably just, I'm going to affirm Derek's opinion of me. How's that? Sure, Is that better? Okay. I'm thinking about getting rid of the alpha and getting a Pacifica. Yeah. But it's because of the business that I have and I need that for the business. And it just makes a lot of sense. We have two greyhounds and we don't have a vehicle that we can throw them in, you know, both in comfortably. My wife has a little, crossover that we can get them in but the stow and go seating and the pacifica actually rides nice and as a minivan goes it's awesome so i and and chrysler has mega deals right now and it's i don't know whether it's the responsible thing to do the right thing to do this it's the dumbest thing in the world to do but we are eventually whether it's right or wrong we're going to start rolling out of where we're at right now and when we do the buying power that we have right now from the buyer's perspective is going to start eroding somewhat. Um, but then there's the other side of me. It's like, go buy a Hellcat gas is 99 cents a gallon. So it, you know, it just none of it makes sense. None of it makes sense right now. Well, I think you're right. like the since we're giving you buying advice, uh, uh, kind of on the podcast, I think I uh, told you when you bought the Alpha, why didn't you buy a Pacific at the time? Because Yeah, you probably did. I mean, it was I, I should have bought a Cayman yeah. because that's the car that I've basically based everything that I've driven off of and wanted it to be a Cayman ever since I, I was instructing for Porsche. I've, I've just fallen in love with those cars. I've never owned one personally, so that's stupid. And it, But the Alpha was... The Alpha wasn't a car that I needed. I was perfectly happy with the car that I had at the time. <laughs> it just kind of was like, oh, that's a decent deal. Okay, I'll take that. Well, you kind of fell into the same situation I did, uh, what have we been, 18 years ago with a certain manufacturer where they made you mad and you just went and did something in spite. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. It's the same manufacturer. <laughs> yeah. Which, ironically, when I got mad at another manufacturer, I went back to and bought something from said manufacturer. The sad anybody... thing is I, I still want a Mini. I, I love them. I just don't want to buy one from that particular dealership. I saw a picture of Simon online the other day. I don't know if you're still friends with that say, said gentleman, but... What does he say? Um, <laughs> he likes trolk drawings. It was kind of in the ba background of a, a photo that he had posted from his past and as a memory, but just to bring up a memory for you. It was not my picture, but my old car. Yep. And I don't know. No if way. You, I don't know if you were the owner of it or who you sold it to, but yeah, it was. It was Simon. Oh my god, that car that was that was one of the best cars I've ever. That was it's in the top five of the best cars I've ever owned. And and for all the listeners, car. very rarely do I call cars by their names as people. <laughs> I don't believe in that theory. I think it's dumb. That but, car was it was he was Simon, man. He was. He just right. he just he fit. Little what Mini Cooper, Union oh. flag on the roof. 
it was awesome. You guys lost me like five minutes ago. <laughs> Did I? Yeah. I mean, you're welcome to jump in anytime. Well, speaking of memories on Facebook, Derek, I got one, and it would be, I think, in three weeks, you and I met 11 years ago. My God, you're getting old, Joan. <laughs> yeah, I am. Whereas he's double Derek's not aging at all. I got rid of all my gray hair. So did I. <laughs> it squeaks now. Oh, good Lord. Well, see, now you guys got me looking at Subarus because thinking about all the deals that are out there right now, probably need to get the new Subaru for my wife. So now I'm distracted looking at Subarus. And, you know, the farthest thing from my mind right now, I'm not even looking at cars. <laughs> I The only reason I'm looking well, for why one are is you because I, I do need something that I can pick up and haul stuff around in. And I, I don't want a truck. I really just don't want a truck. Trucks work for that. Trucks I don't want a truck. Really really well, GMs are good. Chevys are don't, good. Don't want a truck. Mm -hmm. Don't want a truck. VW Bugs are good. Jettas are good. You'd, I would after be after you convert them into a truck. Dodge. Chat if the ID was already out, if the if the VW ID was already out and it was a hybrid instead of all electric, oh, I'd be Mercedes. knocking a. Now I would like an R. In Mercedes. I'd love an R, but they're. They hold their value way too well, man. I'm not I'm not paying what people want for a 2007 R was it R55 or R, there's an R50 there's the the six cylinder there's a 55 and a 63 AMG I think maybe possibly I know there's a 500 horsepower Mercedes minivan but those things are like 60 G's man they they hold they hold their value better than any other Mercedes ever. 500 horsepower Mercedes minivan? Yeah. Uh, speaking of looking at Bring a Trailer, they had a 2007 Mercedes-Benz R63 AMG supercharged. That's, yeah. That's the one. Bid, bid, not sold, bid to 70000 on 325. Jeebus. Or, or today, actually. Yeah, see that? I mean, and that was that was supercharged. That was heavily modified. That's the one with the monoblocks on it, I yep. think. Yes, it is. Yeah. yeah of course. It's it's pretty. It's awesome, but it ain't $70,000 worth of vehicle in my mind anyway. Like I Well, you, I want a minivan because I want a I want a utilitarian vehicle. And the Pacifica actually is still it rides nice. It has the creature comforts. It's got Uconnect. It has the 8.4 inch touchscreen. It's just it's it's still a nice place to sit and daily drive. Um, no, that's I've I even think. thought about a Grand Caravan, but Grand Caravans are a heck of a deal. But you know, I just keep sitting here, and I've got an idea. Um, I've joked about maybe wanting a Miata, but I keep this Smith DIY car to truck conversion kits. You know, they did the Jetta, the VW, the Charger. You ought to get one of those and do something with it. The Charger truck would be cool. You know, I think I can bed, do the charger truck. I think the bed would be long enough and such for with that for. Well, you could. I mean, I could put a, a six or eight foot trailer behind that and tow it fine. And would, I mean, literally, our simulators don't weigh anything. They're just they they take up some space. That's why. Yeah, I, I, I you could tow something with one of those. That would be very cool. But I don't know whether 
See, I'd, I'd basically need to get out of a car and get right into another one. I don't need a project <laughs> at all. Well, and there, that's... there might be some of these coming up for sale. Of course, um, th- this this company, Smith Designs, and I hope to have him on the show. Um, I'm reaching out to a lot of people and scheduling a lot of interviews during the downtime because a lot of people have some downtime right now. But he's kind of publicly went on record that he can't keep up with production for the number of orders he's getting right now with, um, the, you know, the virus. So here's a guy selling a $3,000 kit that goes on a uh, Beetle, a Jetta, a Golf, a WRX or Impreza, uh, a Charger or an Audi A4 or S4 and makes them into a pickup truck. So three grand plus you got to buy the car. And he he can't keep up with it, and he just introduced a new one for the Jeep Grand Cherokee that's an extremely easy kit. That's and, the one I was thinking of and that, he, that he just put out. Yeah, it's and, cool looking, too. And it's twenty four ninety. You know, I kind of watched him develop this thing, and I don't know how close he is to ready, but... Um, Actually, here, let me see if I can do this. We're all waiting. We're all waiting. If the video is actually recording, you can see it's scrolling through the Smith Performance stuff on my panel right now. And they're they're cool, man. There's there's a Subaru for you, Derek. Yeah. I like the the little Turbo S Beetle's awesome. That Charger is the deal. That Charger is amazing. I'd be all in if I if I had a project budget, but I don't have a project a budget. Wow. Do what? That is a lot of work to do that conversion. It's really not as much as you think, man. He does provide a, a really nice little kit. The Jeep's supposed to be extremely easy because I don't even think you have to do any fender work with the Jeep. Or I don't think you have to do fender work with these, do you? You just hack them. Well, there's just uh, hack them and the fenders stay intact. It's, Are you talking about inner inner fender well? I'm talking. Um, it has something to do. I read something that it's a little bit easier than the rest because of the way the Jeep's designed. But, of course, you've got to cover up where the rear door was. So, I'm just going to taunt Derek. I'm going to taunt him. Yeah, I really don't like that. Oh, come on. It's a modern brat. Yeah, but- yeah that's John. That's That's John. That's not me. I'd be all about that. I, that is, I think that's cool. I think it's really cool. Well, we'll talk after show on this, and I'll tell you my crazy idea. But so we have chatted about forty minutes, kind of on this topic. Okay, out of the forty minutes, and really but, gotten off topic. Yeah, we probably chatted fifteen minutes on this topic, and actually, my part of it was on topic, and then you guys went off. So, well, you started going off topic too, but who cares? We uh, let's not bicker over who killed who. I don't know. I like I said. I I'm watching the markets and I'm not seeing any spectacular deals out there. Um, people aren't letting go out of, of stuff, especially in the higher five figures and up. And they're just they're not dumping yet because um, they don't need to. But what also gets me is, like Derek was saying, he's been watching some of the pre-war stuff on Facebook Marketplace. And I'm on, you know, a lot of the Radwood, the is it Maltese page, um, a lot of these little, pay, um, uh, what do you want to call it, um, 
unique cars or something like that. And people are always posting cars they just picked up. And it seems more and more people are purchasing even in this three to five to six thousand dollar range. Uh, you know, to get their Radwood car or such. And maybe that's somebody who really can't afford that extra car selling it to get cash to somebody who has, you know, extra money or is in denial over, you know, what's going on or doesn't understand. Uh, I don't know if any of us understands, but... So I think all of I think our listeners have now just spent 40 minutes listening to us and we're not giving you really any advice just trying to give you some points to to think about. We gave them a little bit. Yeah. I mean it's and a little bit a disclaimer at the beginning that we weren't going to give advice. <laughs> and and, and then I went on I, I went on a little diatribe about how consumers actually have some buying power right now if they care to exercise it and if they have the ability to exercise it. And obviously I'm, I'm not advocating someone go out and spend their last dime to buy a car that they may not need and not, you know, have toilet paper or hand sanitizer. Cause God knows we all need mass quantities of that right now. He and, said tongue in cheek, you know, don't go out with your uh, $1,200 check. You'll be receiving in three weeks and use it as a down payment, you know, and buy the Miata like John's going to, I mean, I'm sorry. I just said that well, wrong. Wrong. that $1,200 is dedicated to a pallet of toilet paper. Okay. <laughs> you already have a line. You got a line on that. You want black, black market, market black market toilet exactly. paper. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's going to be a, an unmarked box truck pull up in front of Derek's house. And it's just going to be pallets of toilet paper and hand sanitizer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're just going to bathe in hand sanitizer. We'll see you Every like, night. open I re- up, really opening up Budweiser joke. cans that are now sanitizer. I really want to make a crack joke here, but but we're talking about that production and stuff. We may I as well touch <laughs> I don't know where you Why use you your toilet paper. <laughs> This is a serious, serious time, okay? You shouldn't be talking about crack. I know you but, grew up around Chicago, but, okay. We, crack. Um, crack, crack, crack. We've brought up the hand sanitizer twice in this episode, and I made a response to a friend on Facebook when he first posted uh, the ideas behind this, and where this is kind of car-related, and, you know, GM has announced that they're going to convert a production facility to the manufacture of ventilators. I, Ford Ford's doing that as well, and I think Ferrari is doing that. Yeah, but I almost say Ferrari, it makes sense. But as I pointed out to the friend, I'm not quite sure you can take an F-150 assembly line and easily convert that over to mm-hmm. ventilators to do it for a year and then go back to F-150. No, ventilators. they're just they're just talking about the uh, like the the cooled seat components converting that portion of an assembly line into positive pressure ventilators. Yeah, that, that's um, where I went is that you could probably take your subcontractor who makes air conditioning. That's exactly what they're talking. That's exactly what they're talking about doing, but they're talking about doing it with just the the air portion of a cooled seat. Yeah, that, the portion that, that pushes the air up into the seat. Because th- that, I mean, that with a controller could be easily adapted to a hose and a mask for use. And as 
as long you know as long as you've got that medical equipment attached to it, that can be adapted. And it's good to see the manufacturers stepping up to do that. I'm sure there's some because I'm always somebody who thinks that way. I'm sure there's some financial incentive about about that. Uh, they're of keeping, course there is. They're keeping people with jobs. Mm-hmm. They're keeping a plant active. They're going to make you know even at six dollars a ventilator, they're going to make six dollars a ventilator, and it's going to really help in the long term supply because we're going to need you know you're going to need these things uh no matter what what range we get to or the number of people that get infected and i'm not going to get into the stats and the charts and the numbers and my personal opinions on how how or what the future holds i don't uh, want to get into the opinions but i will say that i saw that uh waffle house is closing 365 of their restaurants that's terrifying well, I got thinking. Waffle House closes nothing. Yeah, but I, I got <laughs> ever. <laughs> I got thinking if you're doing carry out, they can serve a lot more people quicker. And a lot, you know, there. I live a quarter mile from a Waffle House one way, and four miles from a Waffle House the other way. And I think if you go four miles the other way, there's a Waffle House. So, you, since you don't have, you, since it's all carry out, do you really need? Three Waffle Houses and a twenty square mile. Waffle House, like just three weeks ago, they offered to to sublet our kitchen. They literally like they're everywhere. (laughs) I can't remember how many Waffle Houses there are, but they're actually where you're at. There used to be two Waffle Houses, probably within a block of each other. Yeah, I I love the ones that are like if you're try if you're if you've ever driven across the country, you've seen this and it's always blown my mind, but there's a waffle house on each side of the interstate. So you don't have to get off the interstate and go across the overpass to get to the waffle house. You, you literally get off the interstate in whatever direction you're going, you get off, you go to that waffle house and then you can just get right back on the interstate and keep on going. And they're all over the country like that. It's amazing. Well, do what? You're just making it convenient to the the traveler because they're going to get off and making a right turns easy. And if they're going right, they have that option. If they decide to go left, to you know maybe they're they like the Shell station, and the Shell stations to the left, the Waffle House. And if you notice, a lot of those or a lot a lot of times that that occurs. The Waffle House is the first business you come to when you get off the... Oh, yeah. You know, you, you have no option of going, you know, choose any other fast food restaurant or place to eat. It's Waffle House, then those. So they I'm, surprised they, I'm surprised they don't build them right in the middle of the off-ramp. Just, you know what I was like? put them right there. We, we remember... Oh, geez. It had to be 25 years ago. It was the world of... Uh, KFC, Taco Bell, and Pizza Hut in the same building, or KFC yeah. and Taco Bell in the same building. Waffle House and Dairy Queen in the same building. Because how many times are you going on a road trip <laughs> and you just want ice cream or something from Dairy Queen? And it would be so nice to pop off the interstate, go to the little Waffle House drive through and and it would give them you a... Could get, a you could get your blizzard... <laughs> <laughs> smothered, capped, peppered, and cubed. Yep. Is that the blizzard you want? You want a blizzard with cheese, mushrooms, jalapenos, and ham? <laughs> well, 
little uh, hash brown hairs hanging out. Yeah, mix that up and 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 just just send it. That's what I'm talking about. I think Derek's left. <laughs> no, I'm I'm still here. I'm just uh, I'm trying to figure out if yeah when we turned into a, um, a food podcast. I mean, I'm happy to talk about it. Although I can't talk about Waffle House because I've never eaten at a Waffle House. So. Derek just bought a Subaru. He's I, uh, he's literally just buying a Subaru. Right yeah, he's now. Our, he's ordering a Smith kit. And that uh, very cool. See, that's why you need to listen to the episodes you're not on. We talked about the need to discuss food on all podcasts because all podcasts somewhere discuss food. And kit. well, if we're gonna do that, then let's talk about like the best restaurants to eat on a road trip, and let's tie it to the automobile. I think, Waffle House. I think that's on the topic list. Well, there we go. Well, maybe that will be next Wednesday's, next Wednesday's topic, because I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up before we uh, waste any more of the listeners' time. I Can hope. I throw one more bit of advice out before we wrap it up? We were doing really good with our listeners, and we're going to plummet this week. Are we? Well, fortunately, actually, podcast listening's down right now. I think it's because people aren't driving to work and such. But you go ahead. What's your bit of uh, knowledge, Sean? I'm not, I'm not condoning this behavior. I'm just saying if you ever had the dream of setting the coast-to-coast record for getting from, from New York to L.A., a, a cannonball record, now might be the time. It's a tough record right now to beat. I thought I just read something or saw something about somebody doing something on a C to C to C race or run for a record. It's now might be the time. And that's a good time to remind everybody we're not giving advice on this. We're just throwing out some theories. Exactly. Um, Exactly. We're not saying rush out and go buy a new Hyundai or a Pacifica or an Alfa Romeo 4C. You can buy a Pacifica for me. I'll take it. But, you know. Uh, yeah. However, now that everyone knows how to wash your hands, when you're driving, there's a, a little lever on the left of the steering column. If you push that down, your left turn signal comes on. If you push up, your right turn signal comes on. When do I Just use something that? to work I've seen those memes, and I disagree. I think if we're going to take this time to educate people on a driving technique, it's stay out of the left lane. I don't care if you use a turn signal because I'm in the left lane. I know how to use mine to get there. I know how to use mine to get out. And if you're not in the left lane, I don't care what you're doing in the lane next to me. Uh, so I'm a. I'm going to say, now that everybody pretty much understands washing their hands, Let's learn left lane etiquette. Um, I like that one too. Yeah, Germany, you're you're ex- you're excluded from this. You got that. Yeah, exactly. Everywhere else on the planet, listen up. So with that, uh, again, email, Facebook, Instagram, find us. Uh, we uh, excuse me, a lot of us there. Went on to the uh, uh, another what, one. Yeah. I forgot where, 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 did, where the heck did I go? I went to the web page and updated, and there is a, a a page of things we use in the automotive world that we like. You know, some battery type maintainers, uh, a couple little tools, a lot of books. If you 
uh, go there. There's a, some, you know, the the <laughs> driven that we uh, interviewed the author about back in January. We have a link to that book. I finally finished reading it. It is an excellent book, really told a neat story. I have a whole Tom Cotter library. Uh, we're hoping to have him on the show and maybe talk to him about some certain things that he has a passion about and not just talk to him about the in the barn books like everybody seems to want to interview him about, get a little bit out of him. And we've got a few other things lined up. But if you watch those affiliate links, and they are affiliate links, we'll make a couple of pennies for each one of those. Or if you go through, or if you're just going to Amazon, go through our page, click one of those, and then buy whatever you are on Amazon. And we'll still get a little bit of money. Um, just trying to figure out a couple of ways to keep this coming at you uh, and keep the podcast interesting. But like I said, just Google No Driving Gloves and you'll find us. For that, I'm out of here tonight, guys. Bye-bye. Oh, shoot. We're out of time. We forgot to talk about the Zamboni market, guys. It's going up. It's going way up. Yeah, right, I, now it's, right now it's frozen. I find it's a very slick market. Um, and, and it's hard to keep the balance and, and get a gauge on it. But uh, we, we need to stop.